from Montana to Mexico, Texas to Tajikistan, Alaska to Asia, Colorado to Canada, Rolling Bones Outdoors presents Hunt the World. Our team at Rolling Bones Outdoors is here to help you create memories that will last a lifetime. Are you ready? Let's hunt the world. Welcome to uh, Hunt the World from Rolling Bones Outdoors. Uh, this is Bleep today, uh, filling in for Brian and Brad, who are in Tajikistan. They will be back next week, no doubt, with uh, huge stories of their um, exotic, I don't know if that's the right word, but their international hunting adventure in Tajikistan, where the uh, the goal was Marco Polo sheep, uh, I think Ibex, and maybe Silver Wolf. Um, so I know that it's, uh, it's, it's a challenging hunt for them, but they've been looking forward to that for, I would say, easily two years. And so they're going to be excited to get back uh, next week to talk about their adventures there. It is that time of year as we're here in the Bone Cave and uh, looking around at all of the trophy mounts that surround us each and every day back here. And we invite you to stop by in uh, Spearfish at the Rolling Bones Adventure Hub and we'll give you a tour and uh, come in and say hello. Tell us uh, that you listen to the podcast and we'll have a special gift waiting uh, just for you. And uh, be sure to tell your friends also about the podcast. Might also mention, too, if you've got feedback, topics, ideas, discussions, things that you want us to look at or things that you want to talk about, you can always contact us at hello at rbohome.com, H-E-L-L-O, hello at rbohome.com. That goes right into my inbox. And uh, we also take questions, and we've done a couple of question and answer podcasts in the past. We're collecting new questions right now, and sometime in the next month or so, uh, we may be doing another Q&A session. But for now, I am joined around the table uh, again this week. We have a full house. as uh, We've got Eric Skavang from the Adventures Department on my left, one of uh, Rolling Bones uh, owners and uh, founding people that have been here since almost day one, Noel Erickson. And Noel, so glad to have you in. Great cool. to be here. Glad that uh, you made the trip from Minnesota all the way to Spearfish, your second home. Can I say that? Absolutely. Second home. Okay. And Braden Eastman from our membership department is off to my right. And uh, the, one of the things that we want to uh, want to tell the story, Braden had some success. Actually, this is the time of year where we are getting just a ton of photos of, of success from the field, from some of our Rolling Bones members and friends and some of the unbelievable uh, trophies that have been harvested this year. We are putting them currently into the next edition of Rolling Bones No Boundaries newspaper that will be coming out in uh, November for November, December and the holiday season. And these have been fantastic photos. Uh, we do this every year. We call it our virtual bone cave. And we're going to be uh, inaugurating next spring our virtual bone cave hall of fame from uh, some of these entries that we've been seeing. So be looking forward to that. But one of the people that's going to be in those pages is sitting to my right, Braden Eastman. And Braden, uh, you had some marvelous success in New Mexico just recently on an elk hunt, and we want to get to that in a second. But first, for people who don't know much about Braden, uh, if you've called in and talked to membership, if you're a brand new member, he's the first guy you meet. But tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, <clears throat> like like Bleep said, my name is Braden Eastman. Uh, you know, I grew up here in the Black Hills area. I've lived here my whole life, and, and hunting was always a huge part of my life. I grew up, my dad was the game warden of Butte County, so I always kept all my friends in check. No, I, I just I just knew where the game warden was. I just, you were a popular guy. I just knew where the game warden was at all times. So, but, you knew him. But, yeah, so hunting's always been a huge, huge part of my life, and so when I got the opportunity to come work here for Rolling Bones, I – I couldn't pass up the opportunity. You know? And what's it been like for you um, being part of the, the team that welcomes the new people into the community? Yeah, yeah, it's it's awesome, you know. Uh, it, meeting all these new people that have the same passion as me and putting uh, putting them on adventures that otherwise they wouldn't have gone on, it's, it's a great feeling. Sure. So, yeah. Well, you just recently got back from an adventure in New Mexico. Why don't you just kind of tell us a little bit about that? How did that come about in uh, New Mexico? You know, I'd say New Mexico. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was actually a— That's, what, that's actually what Eric said, New Mexico. What? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. 
Well, it was actually an opportunity on the Zuni Reservation down in New Mexico. It's on the Arizona border. And um, so I, I put in for the general public there and ended up, I, I didn't hear anything about drawing the tag or anything like that. And so I, I just kind of forgot about it. I, I was checking my email all the time, but uh, it turns out here last Wednesday, I got a phone call and it was the lady from the Zuni uh, tribal department down there. And she called me and said, Hey, Braden, just calling, making sure you have everything prepared for your upcoming hunt here starting Saturday. And I said, uh, 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 <laughs> you say what? Uh, I said, uh, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, I suppose. And, and so, and she's like, Oh, you didn't know. Well, you drew the general tag down here. And, and I was like, Oh, okay. Well, sounds good. Can I call <laughs> you right back? And, and I called my dad and I told my dad, Hey, better pack the bags. We're, we're heading down. Uh, we got to start hunting. Oh, you didn't ask Brian first. Can I have some time <laughs> off? So. Oh, well, well. Uh, he just knew I would be here to work for him. Yeah, so. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I forgot yeah. about that. Someone's got to hold the <laughs> fort down. <laughs> yeah, as I hear him tell it, he's like, he came to me and said, uh, um, do you, is it uh, gas? Go! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go! Yeah, Brian, Brian, Brian was more than willing to let me go. He, he knew how great of an opportunity yeah, it was. Of course. But, but, yeah, you know, and it was actually – I, I've never drawn an elk tag or a bull elk tag anyway, so it was my first opportunity at a bull elk. And um, so once I got everything figured out, I, I did a little trash talk into the office, letting them know I was going to be hanging the biggest elk <laughs> on the wall here of pretty course. soon. So. But little did I know that would really bite me in the butt when I got down there because, oh, man, the nerves got to me. They got to me <laughs> Did bad. they really? Oh, yeah. yeah. And, um, you had some pressure after everything you said around here. Oh, yeah. So. I, I well, made, ben was going to hold him to that, too. Oh. There was money being thrown was, around and yeah, everything. Yeah, so. I, I, I told these guys that I was going to hang the biggest elk on the wall pretty soon, and and I wish I wouldn't have. I wish I wouldn't have. But, um, yeah, so for sure we – so we packed up, packed up the bags, and I didn't have very much time to prepare, really. Um, I, I had been chasing around antelope and, and deer with my bow, and, and I forgot to mention it is it was an archery elk tag. Um, so – but I, I had been shooting my bow quite a bit, getting ready for archery uh, antelope and archery deer season. But – you know, I was not prepared for an elk hunt. You know, I, I didn't know what to do to prepare. And um, so. You didn't listen to enough podcasts, is what you didn't Yeah, I guess. I guess. Gotcha, gotcha in trouble with that one. Yeah. But. And so. <laughs> but your dad went with you? My dad did go with me. The yeah. game warden. The game warden, he went with me, made sure I did everything right down there. So. But uh, so we packed our bags and got to heading down there. And we got there uh, Sunday or saturday night but then started hunting sunday and sunday night was our first real hunt and and we got down there and the wind was blowing really really bad and it was swirling and so um we we had to get a tribal guide uh, on the zuni reservation you have to have a tribal guide and our tribal guide he didn't want us want to take us into the into the bulls just because the wind was so bad and so we just sat around glass and checked out the area and I guess I didn't know what to expect. I, I I had been I had been on cow elk hunts before and things like that, but it's a whole whole different world. So, so actually, you know, this is an area that I'm assuming you'd never been in before. I you know I've drove through New Mexico, but I have never stopped in New Mexico. And yeah, I mean, going into an area cold like that, it's almost a help that you get Sunday night to just kind of like glass a little bit and maybe do a little bit of scouting since you've never been there yeah yeah and for sure and and so we got to just kind of check things out and and i still didn't know what to expect we didn't see any elk the first night and i i I had my expectations so high and um but i i wanted to stay uh reasonable you know i wanted to but uh the first first night we didn't see anything and so we went home and kind of just talked about things we're like well what should we do tomorrow and and uh the wind was supposed to be better the next morning and so we were going to get out there and so we pulled we pulled out there and um and that morning the sun hadn't came up yet and we jumped out of the pickup and listened for bugles and heard about 20 bugles in about two minutes and our guide goes yeah, that's good enough for me, and I, it was good enough for me too. And, <laughs> and so, um, so where are your nerves at right now? <laughs> oh, they hadn't got to me really yet. You know, I've I've never had buck fever. I've never had anything like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess I didn't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. And and so, um, we got out there, uh, kind of waited to let the sun come up just a little bit, and then started playing our wind towards those bugles. You know, and um, and we get up there and you know the sun is just barely up and i get eyes on my first elk 
and he's probably a 360-inch bull elk. What? Yeah, he's probably a 360-inch bull elk, and get eyes on him, but our, our you know, we weren't expecting to see a bull that, that soon, so we weren't playing our wind as good, and he caught our wind and ran out in front, ran out in front of us about 130 yards, and I just got eyes on him, and then that's when I was like, Oh, this is real deal here. <laughs> yeah, this is real deal here. And so we started to play those bugles a little more, and we just split in between all those bugles and started throwing out some cow calls to try to suck those bulls in towards us. And um, that's when we really got in the action. But uh, our wind that first morning was still kind of swirling down in this bottom, and uh, it just wasn't wanting to bring those bulls all the way into us. But uh, when I was in the middle of all those screams, oh, my leg was shaking. Mm-hmm. and and in in yeah. my head all i could all i could picture was me telling these guys that i'm a sniper with the bow and i don't miss and all this and and <laughs> it was getting to me it was getting to me and yeah but now you're in the thick of it and that's an experience if you've never been around all of that bugling i mean it's an amazing thing oh yeah it was it was phenomenal and 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 uh so we got eyes on a couple bulls none close enough to shoot but you know i'd probably seen about six bulls so far that morning and i don't think any of them were under 320 inches you know Mm -hmm. and so so it was it was getting to me and and we were chasing a deeper bugle and just listening to this deeper deeper bugle and kind of going at him and um uh at one point in time he came crashing through the trees to us and it's so thick down there they could be 20 yards away and you wouldn't be able to see him you know and he came crashing through and i could see his body and so i was full draw on him and um but he just he just never came in and and just kept circling around us chasing cows around us and yeah and yeah and and so we we had never to this point i hadn't got eyes on him and so uh we decided to close that we wanted to close that gap between us he was probably 50 yards 60 yards away okay. but we just wanted to close that gap so we could get eyes on him and so i got down on my hands my knees to take my boots off to start creeping around you know and that's the first time i got eyes on him i, I could see under the trees there and i got eyes on him for the first time and i just remember i i looked up at my guide and i said he's effing huge <laughs> is what i said and you know he, he was probably a 390 inch bull wow and Wow. And looking back at it now, I'm really glad he didn't come in because I, I was standing there at full draw a couple times on him, when, but he never gave me a shot. But my leg was shaking so bad, I think I was about to fall over. So it, w- it was a good thing that he didn't come in. But uh, did, you, did you have a clear shot? No, I never had a clear shot at him. Like I said, after I got eyes on him, we saw him a couple more times. Mm-hmm. Saw him at 50, but it's just so tight in there. And he was running chasing bulls or chasing, chasing cows, cows yeah. running everything off yeah and so never got clear eyes on him and then so after that first morning you know we he went and bedded down and i asked the guy i'm like can we sneak in there like i you know <laughs> i was i was antsy you know i wanted to get in oh, there yeah. get in there on him and and he's like no i don't want to blow him out of here and i was like ah whatever okay sure and so so then we came back or we went back to town and hung out for a little bit and then went back at night and we were going to go sit on some water and got back there uh that very first it was our first day hunt and already i was like oh my gosh this is, <laughs> this is phenomenal. how many days was your hunt so it's a seven day season but my hunt was this was on the second day of the hunt i guess but the first morning I guess. Uh-huh. so right it was the first real day of the hunt. okay got and it. um so we go back to go sit on this water and um coming up to the water we had got there a little bit late and there was about three bulls sitting on this water and two of them were really nice like Mm -hmm. they were 360 plus yeah and i was like let's go and so we started started running over there trying to make our way but by the time we had got there they had moved out and and just never got an opportunity at them again and so i just sat on this tank until night and had a little little spike bull come in at at about sundown and and he he you know i i thought about it but i also that was by far the smallest bull i had seen you know he, he knew he was losing money at he shot that yeah time, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah so by far he, he came in about 40 and i watched him for a bit and 
and he got what, me going a little bit. But what 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 did you think you were comfortable shooting? What what range would you be comfortable? Yeah. Did you know that going? I mean, you knew that going in. Yeah, go, going in, I, I I'm comfortable, very comfortable out to sixty. Okay. So, okay. You know, in that range. So forty, you're good with. Oh, 40. Easy. Forty, I'd smoke them. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but but um, that's what I told the office anyway. So yeah, but uh, we uh, <laughs> so let that day go, and then. I remember we got back to the hotel and I was talking to my dad. I was like, that was unreal. You know, I have never experienced anything like that in my life. And I was just pumped for the next day. And, um, at this point you just basically can't sleep at night, right? Yeah. Like at, no, I, so I couldn't, I couldn't sleep. Morning, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. I couldn't sleep. And, and another thing I forgot to mention too. So, um, that very first morning we came in and there was two gates that were touching on a corner there and we went through the one gate and i had to jump out and pop up pop open this gate and when i when i was shutting that gate the other gate next to it had popped open and i was like oh that was weird you know and uh, my guide goes you know maybe it's a sign to go in there <laughs> and we didn't we just kept moving on we just kept moving on and i was like oh, okay well that was kind of strange you know yeah and um so then that next morning we came in there, same deal. They're just screaming and we just jump right out in the middle of them. And this must've been a different group of bulls because I, the bugles didn't sound the same. And, and so they were more satellite bulls. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so we, uh, we, we jumped in the middle of them and we were chasing after them for a bit and same deal. We had perfect wind this morning. Wind wasn't swirling and it was perfect. And we just split these bulls. We're throwing out some cow calls and I, I could hear them sucking in closer to us with their bugles, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and, but we were chasing after this big bugle and, um, and so just kept going after it, going after it. And it's, it's sandy soil down there. So it's pretty easy to move around quick in there, you know, and, but uh, we're going after this bigger bugle, and to my left, I hear crashing through the trees. And we all stop, and all three of us were standing there looking like the Three Stooges, you know. <laughs> all Me and my dad and the guide were all standing here on this bush like this. And I just got a glimpse of at this nice bull, and I'm like, oh, okay. And um, so then I get to full draw there, and um, the guide, he said, 45, 45, he ranged it. And I was like, okay. And so I'm holding full draw, and a little – little satellite bull I, I shouldn't say little he was 300 inch bull mm. pops out to the left and my dad's like to the left to the left and i looked over and i was like shut up and uh, and so he's staring That's at right. us for the, like the one time you get to tell your dad yeah to shut up. yeah <laughs> and, without getting backhanded yeah again. i know and, you don't say that to a game word too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and so so then i think a couple seconds after that this big guy pops out and straight in front of us and my dad goes oh and, and <laughs> I see. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm holding on him, but he's frontal with us. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable in shots like that, but I just prefer not to take those right. kind of shots, you yeah. know? And so I'm, you know, I'm at full draw at this point, probably a minute and a half, but it feels like an eternity. Oh, noodle, and, noodle arms. Yeah. And my arm, <laughs> my arm's swaying, it's swaying and I'm, Oh, I, but when he popped out, I kind of felt the rush of adrenaline, you know, and, and uh you're we, just waiting for him to quarter or yep, something yeah you know? and so threw out a cow call and he kind of just opened up just opened up the pocket just asking for me to let one fly you know and and i feel a feel a rush of adrenaline then and i get locked in got my arms steady and i just let it loose and and um it, and two you know it, it was early in the morning and it was kind of hard to see and i couldn't see what he looked like i guess i just knew he was a nice nice framed bull and is i see the one you were hearing before you No, think? he wasn't no. the one he wasn't the one that i was hearing but he was still a really yeah. nice bull yeah. and you know he was i i could it was kind of a cold morning and i could see the steam coming out of his nose and oh it was Gosh. awesome mm. wow it was awesome wow. and, and i think it all happened so fast it didn't let me get get nervous i didn't have enough time to be nervous so it just it happened how it was supposed to and he just opened up and i let one fly and uh we're all standing there just like oh my gosh and then we hear crashing through the trees to our right and never got eyes on him but that's the direction that the big bu or the deep bugle and i don't like to look at things like that because it was an awesome experience you know it of was, course it was yeah. a phenomenal experience especially for my first hunt and so we we sit there for a little bit and and um and then we kind of heard crashing through the trees and so we hurry up there and i knock another arrow and um 
we watched the bull that I had shot. He goes down, and he's he's laying on the ground bugling while he's going down, and it, it was amazing. And I, mm. wow, it was it was it was awesome. And and so we get up there, and and the guide says, "Put another arrow in him. Put another arrow in him." And I'm like, "Really?" <laughs> but well, I guess. And so mm. so I I put another arrow in his spine, and. And I, it wasn't necessary. We got up there and looked back at the blood trail, and yeah. and my dad said even a white guy could follow this trail. So, <laughs> man, that's, I'm he... offended now. Yeah, <laughs> Bill, Bill's going to get some heat when yeah. he comes in here again. Yeah. But uh, how how far did you have to track him? Yeah, he he ran about seventy yards before he wow. went down, okay. and so so yeah, we we got up there, and and I remember I. I couldn't even catch my breath and it wasn't cause I was exhausted. Well, it might've been because I was at full draw for a while, but, yeah. but it was just all those nerves running through me. Oh, there was no, I, and I, I already told my dad, I'm like, I I'm worried that I won't have an experience again. That's as amazing as that. And he, he told me, he's like, I've been on so many elk counts in my life. And every time I feel that, you know, yeah. so did he get, did the animal, did he get bigger the closer you got, or did he get smaller? He, he, you know, I, like I said, <laughs> he was kind of hard to see, but yeah. when I got closer to him, he was, he was just as big as I had yeah. thought. So, wow, and that, that's a good feeling too. You it know, is. he didn't have any ground shrinkage for me, but, <laughs> but, I, but it's funny. I've heard this story. Like, you know, half a dozen times. Okay. Right? But the one thing that all of us in the office are on the same page on is we still don't believe it because we haven't seen any <laughs> proof yet yeah. other than the photo. Yeah. So, so we've, we haven't given him a hard time about that. We haven't gotten any, oh, any backstrap meat. All right. Like he hasn't grilled us up uh, some steak shit. Yeah, we maybe. didn't, he, we figured he'd bring the antlers in cause he's so excited. <laughs> Not even bringing. Well, in, yeah. So. The thing is too, so, yeah. when, when we were down there, um, I think it was about six, it was six fifty five when I let the arrow fly, and then we got him we got him quartered out and packed. That was a.m. or p.m. a.m. yeah a. M. morning six fifty five a.m. and we got him quartered out quartered out and everything by about nine thirty. Oh yeah. yeah, so it was it was working. a quick quick deal, and and then we got him loaded up, but we didn't get out of Zuni until about three thirty <laughs> in the afternoon, <laughs> and they're very very friendly, very very friendly, and awesome people down there, but. When you're trying to get on the road, they're a little too friendly. You know? <laughs> it's hard to get away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, but yeah, yeah. So we got on the road and then drove all the way back home. You know, and it's a, I think it was about a 15 hour drive. And so when I got home, I really wasn't too interested to stop, stop in and show off. I kind of wanted to go excuses. Guys. I, I kind of wanted to go home and go to bed. But <laughs> wow. But wow. Yeah, and so that's you know what's kind of. Uh, What's amazing about that story is that, you know, if you're archery elk hunting and Brad likes to quote this statistic is like you pass on 10 before you even get one. Yeah. I mean, it's rare to get your, you know, a nice bull with a bow. Mm-hmm. It does not or happen. Or to just even have an opportunity because exactly. so much can go wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I called for uh, an uncle last year in the Black Hills and opportunity after opportunity so I thought as the caller, but then you don't take into consideration, you know, where he's standing in reference to the bull, which way you're bringing the bull in, the different things that can get in the way. It's it's crazy. And to see some of the photos that Braden shared, the area, I mean, all those trees are, you know, yeah. five to eight feet tall. It's like about as terrible as it can be for a guy that's trying to archery hunt you know oh, so man. yeah and things just have to work out about perfect sure and, do. and to bring the story back around i had mentioned the fence popping open yeah so we had to go through that gate to go pick up my my elk that i had gotten down and nice. and that's why and I, I even said something to the guide when we were driving back in there i said this is the gate that popped open <laughs> yesterday morning. And he was like, I told you Ooh. it was a sign, but yeah. It, and, <laughs> and yeah. it, you know, it's all, it's all a blur now, but, uh, so I had gotten the phone call on Wednesday and then that next Wednesday, me and my dad were heading back home from New Mexico with a uh, elk in the back of the pickup. So it all happened so fast. I had no time to prepare, but you know, I, I, I think that makes for the best trips and the best stories is when, 
when it just comes out of the blue like that, you know, and, and I've always been about that too, is the experience, you know, hunting for me is always about the experience and I couldn't have had a better experience. You know, there, there was bigger bulls. I, I could have passed on this guy. I think he still scored 332, I believe uh-huh. he, he was, nice. he was broke on the one side. So he, I, I think if he would have had matching sides, he would have been 360, yeah. but, um, still phenomenal, phenomenal. And, and they all taste, they all taste good. So, but. Oh, goodness. Mm. Well, you said you might not have been prepared, but you've had a lifetime to prepare for it, right? <laughs> yeah. Even though it came up in short notice. What yeah. a great adventure. So it's uh, it's amazing when things like that come together. And I think being part of the community, Brian, like you said, and yeah. Yeah. just an opportunity to be around um, people and stories and success and failures and, and learning about all of this, um, right just helps everybody um and that's why we provide the concierge services that we do is right is to exactly. give people opportunities and we'd love them all to have the right finish like Braden just described sure. yeah um but maybe we can get into so, a few of those too. so Braden, like you know w- to pick up on noel's point what did you learn from the experience yeah you know i learned a lot like um that's a great hunting area for for example but that's a given but yep. but the experience for me you know i i even i i even told my dad that very first day just hearing him scream like that and being in the middle of them and just playing with them like that that was already better enough like I, I didn't need even need to harvest an elk after that you know that was already one of the best experiences i've ever had in my entire life and for people that are new to hunting and things like that you have to experience that if you haven't ever, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's absolutely no better feeling in the world. It, it's probably the best experience I've ever had in my entire life. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Now, here of course, I thought it was working with me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's second. Right? Here, yes. That must fall into second now. Well, if you would have just come home with nothing, <laughs> though, then it would have lasted about two days and then you would have been back talking to Eric. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, what happened, yeah. man? And then that was still his best experience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was still. It, w- it would have been pretty brutal in here if I would have came home empty-handed. Yeah. And he and would have not lived it down and would have yeah. lost some cash in the deal. <laughs> yeah. That's so. true too. Well, yeah. but you know that's so so important that you say that because we have talked about that a lot. And that is, it's the experience. It's like being present in the moment. You know, because sometimes it's easy for us to not be there. We're thinking about too many other things, or we're not like letting that tape recorder roll and say, I want to remember this. I want to remember this. This is just being out in nature, being out with people and being out with wildlife like that um, is such a rare thing. I mean, I really appreciate you saying that because that is so important. And part of one of the things that as a Rolling Bones, you know, part of the Rolling Bones family is that we, you know, preparing yourself to go into a place where you have very little time to prepare. Part of that is mental. It's like saying, no matter what happens, I'm going to remember this as a total experience and what it's all, you know, what it is. And that's so important, I think. Yeah. And that growing up, that's always what I've loved. You know, it's the experience. It's it's being out there, seeing wildlife move. You know, I deer hunting. I've watched hundreds of deer pass me by and just seeing that, you know, it's just awesome. It's an awesome experience. Yep. Yep. And you know, it, it, uh, being in your position too, with rolling bones, it also equips you to help other people to, to achieve that experience. And, and at rolling bones, I mean, we do that with, with different levels of concierge service. And you know, I, I love that term, Noel, I love concierge. What does concierge mean to you when you say concierge <laughs> service? Well, I think the concierge component of it is that you have a resource that you have people um, that you can contact, that you have, um, you know, through our technology, you have the hunt catalog, right? You have the academies, you have our gear consultation, you have the application process. And not only is the software um, set up to keep get, provide them an, a great opportunity to stay involved and engaged so they're on top of it, Um, but it's also the people relationship. um, And we want nothing better than to help you be successful with your your strategies in each of those concierge services we just talked about. Yeah, on each of those levels, you know, we have the silver club, the gold club, and the platinum club. And, 
you know, and I, you know, this is kind of the way I look at it. It's not necessarily, this is the way Rolling Bones looks at it necessarily, but I think of it like with the Silver Club, um, you know, when I'm Braden's age, although I have not had that, I did not have that experience when I was your age, dude. What are you, like 13, 14? Yeah, yeah, pretty close. <laughs> no, it's like give early 20s, yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I never would, I would have been a Silver Club member, somebody that would hunt on weekends, you know, love fishing, um, but would hunt, you know, uh, upland game, you know, I would hunt deer in Iowa, <laughs> roll route three, Waverly, Iowa, as Brian likes to say. <laughs> I actually didn't live far from there either when I was, I was in my hunting career, but a silver club, you know, level of, uh, of membership services provides you with like one state application, you know, it's tailored just for you at that level. A gold is the next step up. And that's like somebody in my mind that likes to hunt where they live. Like for me, it was like, would have been in Iowa, but also would like to hunt in Colorado or would like to go to Montana or Wyoming and hunt. Uh, my nephew's like that right now. So the gold fits in perfectly. The platinum to me, when you get to the platinum club, that's like if you are a career and you're a more of an adventure hunter and you want to go international or you want to go for your grand slam or you want to get your family involved to make a legacy out of your hunting experiences that you can pass on to your family. To me, that's kind of where platinum is tailored toward. From the platinum standpoint, I really believe also that's somebody who um, has a strategy that they're really looking for help with. Um, uh, the Minnesota... Um, deer classic or the the deer and turkey expo last year i bumped into a um a guy who and he and his dad had points everywhere and lots of them because his dad believed in applying for his son so that they could do some hunting together long term right and it turned out to be a group of four guys that all worked together in a very successful company and the the platinum service it took a team Right, we were already into the part of the application season, and to transfer them from where they had intended to do their applications to then now doing them with us, it was a big process, um, and uh, it was fantastic. Um, the dad drew his desert sheep in Nevada this year. Um, is looking forward to that hunt here in November, and I mean just. So much of this was pulled together because of the Rolling Bones team, if you will, but also because we have a platform where those resources are available, right? It's not that you have to go to five or six different providers to have this all come together. And, you know, everybody's strategy is different, right? That, that we're going to be looking at um, what are your locations? What are your weapon choices? What are your species? Who are you going to be hunting with? What's your budget? What's your time frame? And pulling all of those things together then gives us a framework to say, okay, you want to hunt big mule deer. There's four or five states that you want to do that in. Right now, you haven't applied in any of them. Um, and so let's develop that strategy and see how we can allow, allow that strategy to mature and then you start drawing those tags that you're looking for. And I think, you know, with the platinum level, and now I think with all the different levels, one of the things that we provide as part of the services when you join is going to be just a, a like a really nice brochure, if you will. I don't know. What do you call it, Eric? Of, of, a, of a pamphlet or something that's going to show you what your adventure is going to look like. Yeah. So our, um, you know, we, we started that with, platinum memberships right. in their adventure booklet, uh, so to speak, which really highlights, you know, the entire adventure from the moment they leave their their home state or airport to the minute they arrive and are in camp and what to expect and uh, hotels to book. And, and, you know, with the platinum members, we get a little more involved in um, assisting with lodging and, and coordinating travel. Um, I would say almost borderline travel agent wise right? yeah, but yeah. an adventure agent i would call it um you know and, and on this trip that that brian and brad and jonathan are on we actually are are vetting um a new uh assistant for international travel um that has experience and actually has a past work history um with a formal with travel with guns and if everything goes well 
um, you know, we'll continue to offer that service as part of the Platinum oh, program. Nice. Yeah. Um, so we're kind of testing the waters, vetting it with these couple of Tajikistan trips. But um, in conversations with Brian, we want to continue to, you know, our goal here is to always, what, what can we do to be better? What can we do to improve ourselves, our service, um, and provide the value and the education to our members? And what kind of stemmed from that is providing similar aspects of the adventure booklet at all levels of the membership. Um, you know, so for gold, you know, that, that may come in a two to three page document, more of a highlighted version, maybe not as keepsake, you know, friendly as the, as the platinum membership booklet, um, which is something a guy could set on his, uh, you know, coffee table for the family to look at and, and kind of build that excitement. But really a recap and highlight of what to expect throughout the trip, contact info, gear lists, um, everything in one spot, you know, mailed to them with a little bit, you know, a welcome note, um, you know, a, an appreciation note as well and, and everything they need. And then even taking that one step further into our silver and not leaving anybody out uh, and, you know, doing an even more summarized version for them. So that way all levels of membership are getting, you know, some aspect of a concierge service um, and involvement from us, you know, and helping them prepare for their, their adventure. Um, and on top of that, I mean, we're, we're enhancing and working on our gear consultations and, you know, working on what you know, ad, our, some of our advisors are doing them, you know, with their adventure hubs uh, as we continue to open those throughout the country. Um, members of our home office team are going to start, you know, facilitating and helping and making sure that those are getting done. Um, and then on top of that, just constant communication from the time somebody books an adventure to the day they leave or the day before they leave for that adventure to ensure along the way, um, as I mentioned on the, the podcast prior, is that we have our members, our hunters, as prepared as they can possibly be to go into camp just as much as we want our outfitters to be prepared for them to arrive in camp um, and ensuring that we're helping facilitate and enhance their experience the best we can. Um, So that's really where the mindset comes behind, you know, providing those details and getting those details to all, all membership levels um, in some way, shape or form. And I know that it'll continue to enhance as we continue to push that content out um, but I'm excited to start, you know, building and, and getting those out to members, getting feedback from members. Um, cause I don't know about all of us in this room, but I, my, my highs from working here come from talking to members about their hunt and living vicariously through them because I may not be the guy that gets to go to Alaska or Tajikistan or Canada to hunt, whatever, but I want to see your photos, hear about your hunt, get excited with you, be excited for you. Um, and, and help make sure you have a great time. Um, but also know that I'm here should things not go hundred percent as planned because life is life. Humans are yep. humans. Yeah. Animals are animals. Like it's still hunting. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so we can't, we can't make sure everything happens to a T, but, but the things such as the experience are something we can certainly facilitate. I think it's a, it's a cool thing about this time of the year you know in the office and somebody will say whoa because you get a text from somebody that yeah. look at that ram and then they're out out in the hallway saying look at this you know it's kind of fun to see that Brayden, do you see that a lot too yeah i i love seeing harvest photos from some of our members that are just excited with what they harvested and you know it, it just makes me feel good every day whenever i get to see that everybody else gets to have adventures that were sure. just as fun as mine you know? <laughs> now when it comes to the different um levels of you know our, our silver gold and platinum you know how do you see them accommodating a specific type of hunter um Braden, how do you see that yeah i i would agree with you with what you said um a lot of times our silver members too are guys that come in and and they just want to go with the guided hunts they they don't really care about using the application service as much um whereas our gold members are more or less guys that are wanting to really utilize the application service but talking about the application service you know we have a lot of guys that reach out to us that you know really have no idea about hunting in the western states and and that's why we've got a great team here that is very knowledgeable on states like that. Colton does a really good job of, you know, recommended recommending some of those states that they otherwise wouldn't have thought of, you know, for application purposes. And, and so that's, that's why it's great to 
have us as a resource for those things. You know, maybe if you're brand new to hunting and, and you're just wanting to get out there, but you don't know where it's, it's a good place to go. You know, and Noel, you talked about concierge a minute ago and saying it has to do with resources and what we have. I mean, um, what actually does that term mean um, to the hunter when you say concierge service? Yeah, I, I think it actually does mean resource. And when, when you think of the different levels of those concierge services we provide, there is a financial component to them based on the, the level of service that they're subscribing to, if you will, or, or becoming involved with. Um, and, but it's not just the financial component because if we knew that if we were a platinum uh, client that we are going to harvest a bigger animal, or right, it's, that's not what it's about. It's about um, with your hunt goals – which of these services can we utilize to best meet your needs? How can we help you achieve your hunting goals, your adventure goals uh, for you and your family, right? For you and your hunting party in the best way possible. And so the, the great side of this from Rolling Bone standpoint is we do offer three different levels, right? Depending on what your needs are, then you can start in one and move to another, or you can start in uh, the platinum and go back to silver at some point, right? It's just meeting your needs that way. But I just, I really think the concierge component of it is relationship. It's understanding what your goals are, and it's utilizing then the resources we have to help you best meet those goals. Is it like a done for you kind of a thing? You know, and I think about a hotel concierge, it's like the person <laughs> that I can call and say, where can I get the best ribs in town? You know, or uh, I need to get a, a, a cab or something. Could you get that for me? I mean, it's kind of a done for you kind of process. Yeah. Or, or another resource for, to ask those questions too. Yeah. Um, because the outfitter in, and the guides in this process will be, um, resources for that, right? Depending on what uh, adventure they book. Um, and, and there's many components of that through the process, but it's, it's really just that you have the avenues to be able to get the information necessary to you for, so that you can be prepared so that you can maximize the experience on the adventure that you've booked. And the clients and us have the exact same goal for that to happen and the outfitter, right? So we just want to maximize the opportunity to uh, have the right communication, the right preparation, and the right resources to help them achieve that. Yeah, and, and as we continue to build those resources, we do rely on feedback, Eric, I think a lot from our, our um, uh, Rolling Bones uh, members are out in the field who can you know, help us fine tune those experiences to make them better. How important is that feedback that you get? Uh, I, it's extremely important. Um, actually, before we started recording today, I, I was working on an excellent interview with a client uh, that just got out of elk camp. And a lot of the questions are, uh, you know, will relate to, you know, compared to what you see in the listing, you know, what, what things need to be changed, updated, what, if you could change it, what would you change? Yeah. Yep. Um, and a lot of that, I mean, we, that's, those are our boots on the ground, right? And right. Yep. There we're wanting to make sure that we're, if anything, improving the experience for the next person or ensuring that the experience is what should be expected. Um, and that we're displaying or portraying that experience as listed for them to go because, you know, we, we understand our members spend a lot of money to go on these adventures um, and the controllables that we can control, we want to make sure we're controlling them. So that feedback is valuable. Um, you know, we attempt to do our exit interviews, you know, within a reasonable time. I like to give guys the opportunity to return home, um, get back into the workflow, you know, family life, whatever they've got going on outside of hunting. Um, and then call them within, you know, two to three weeks. And while things are still fresh, they've had time to digest and reflect on their experience um, and then reach out and, and ask questions and really just make sure that, you know, we're portraying the adventure as to yeah. what it actually was. Well, what it is, I think that's important. Yeah. Well, I think just the fact that we do that um, interview process, Eric, that you're talking about, um, to get a report card from them, 
um, to to yeah, also communicate like with the yeah. uh, outfitter um, to see how was our client for you, you know, because this is everybody's involved in in creating the right experience, yep. um, and it's just another tool that we utilize to keep getting better, you know, and that's a learning opportunity for them. So I look at my role as, um, you know, in, in in the booking and adventure department is yes, I'm booking hunts and I'm working with outfitters and members, but I feel like I'm almost kind of a, a coach in a sense, right? Where I'm talking to the member um, and maybe I didn't set expectations as good as I could have with the member if something doesn't go right. But then I can also share that with the outfitter and then we can help them develop their business and become better. Um, or if everything went great, it's like, I want them to know that. So they continue to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so those conversations are twofold. It's one, make sure that we're doing our job in, in vetting and sharing the information we need to share and getting all the details out that we can get out and being open about it. Um, and then cross-checking that right with the, with the member and then using all of that information to help you, you know, help both the member and and the client out. Well, yep. If you have somebody yeah. that hasn't been on a guided hunt before, their expectations may be um, extremely high or it could be like, I've never been on one. I don't know, don't what, to know what to expect. Yeah. But they may have been getting feedback from, from individuals that are like, well, I've yeah. been on guided hunts. This is what to look for. And if you don't, if, if we don't do our job and prepare for that, then their, their perceived experience yeah. could yeah. be completely different. So we, we really do our best to, to try and have those conversations, you know, with advisors uh, when they're talking to them and make sure we're laying everything out on the table. Um, and if we miss something, we want to know because that's how we yeah. continue to improve. Yeah. And, and that only really works because we have such a great relationship with not only our members, but with our outfitters, you know, our inputs obviously important for them and, and it just shows how much effort we put into keeping everybody happy. Congratulations on that, um, trophy that you brought back on that wonderful hunt that you had as we wrap up um curious you know like what's next i mean you you talked about this being an experience like i'll probably never have one of these again yeah. but what do you i mean do you have uh i know we encourage our members to have goals i mean what are you what's next for you yeah well i've, I've always been a big uh mule deer hunter and and things like that but my my goal i remember we came in here and we were all discussing here in office what are our hunting goals and and mine was always to shoot uh, a nice bull elk and well now that's checked off so and uh <laughs> archery archery deer season up here in south Dakota is open right now and so i'm gonna try to get a respectable mule deer this year I think or whitetail i think your next goal actually i think his next goal bleep is yep. gabby making us a roast <laughs> yeah yeah that, that is true so He's, i won't let him cook i said you can't cook for us let let your girlfriend cook yeah, for us well, yeah. Yeah. and bring us elk roast so well, and been, he agreed so wow well you were the one that brought in the chili the other day that was yeah. pretty yeah. tasty yeah, he, yeah. Brought, he brought in chili and so i i told him i'll, I'll bring in an elk roast once i get that yeah. back but i just told him he can't cook awesome. it because he talks about how bad of a cookie is, yeah so. oh, yeah let gabby do the cooking <laughs> not a bad deal yeah <laughs> Noel, thanks again for coming out and being here. Anything you want to add as we close? No, just uh, my pleasure to be back in Spearfish. I always look forward to these uh, opportunities and, uh, you know, just staying in touch with and meeting a lot of the new staff in person versus just over the phone. And so appreciate all of their efforts here. Um, This doesn't work if uh, everybody's not rowing the boat in the same direction. And we definitely have that going on. Um, Brian and Lindley's leadership and Brad's involvement. And, and you know, what's happened here from day one is exactly what we thought, uh, but never knew if it would happen. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of times people will say, well, how, how did this all get started, right? And I, I, my explanation is that it was a group of crazy big game hunters who said, uh, there's got to be someone who does this. Well, there's got to be somewhere I could have this, you know, for my hunt. Yep. And it turned out that most of those answers were, no, I can't find anybody. So the process of where we are today is pulling together what crazy big game hunters um, and, and, and families and um, people who are experience oriented with whatever they're looking to accomplish, you can find it here. Because yep. we were looking for that, other places couldn't find it, and hopefully, what we bring is uh, a solution with lots of concierge services to help that happen for you. 
Sure. If you're a Rolling Bones member already, um, we're certainly uh, we're, we're honored to have you, as always. And we, we want to say thank you in as many ways as we can. Um, call us with your goals. You know, Help us put a hunt plan together for you on, on what's next after this year. If you're out in the field, in the truck, on the way... Uh, to your next hunt, or if you're if you're in a deer stand right now listening on your headphones, I'm not sure why you'd want to do that, but maybe you do. <laughs> um, you know, uh, just you know, let us know what your next step is, your next goal. Give us a call 605-644-8000, and uh, we would be glad to help. If you're not a member, we invite you to go to our website at rollingbones.com and uh, check out our our uh, membership page that talks about our silver, gold, and platinum clubs and what they offer and how they may be able to help you. And again, you can give us a call at any time, 605-644-8000. Or if you have questions, um, our inbox is always open at info at rbohome.com, info at rbohome.com. Hey, if you're out also and you've harvested something amazing, be sure to send it to me. You can send it to hello at rbohome.com. I'll take it and uh, we can put it into the next uh, broadsheet and uh, congratulations in advance. I know a lot of you guys are out there busy right now and uh, we're, uh, <laughs> I, I, I can't tell you how funny it is just to be sitting here at the office and all of a sudden somebody breaks out and somebody sends us a picture. Um, but it's so cool. These guys absolutely love it when they see your dreams come true, when they see your harvest come true. Um, we share in that and we're so happy for you and and we're just glad to be able to create these experiences like Braden talked about earlier today the experience is so much of what it is and just being able to appreciate that and so we appreciate you as RBO members or prospective members we especially appreciate your time and listening to our podcast today and again reach out to us at rollingbones.com or 605-644-8000 Brian and Brad will be back next week, and um, I'll try to coerce a story out of them, if I can, from their trip to Tajikistan. which I don't know if that'll be hard or not. <laughs> I don't think you'll have an issue with that one. Uh, we, we probably won't. So, Well, <laughs> Eric, it's been a pleasure to be with you today. Same Braden, here. thank you, and we look thank forward you. to having you guys on another podcast later on. And, Noel, always a pleasure to have come you back in Spearfish. Come see us at the Adventure Hub, right? Yeah, come see us here at the Adventure Hub on First Avenue in Spearfish. We'd love to see you, as we said earlier in the show. Stop by, tell us you listen to the podcast. We'll have a special gift for you. Safe travels, Noel. Thank you. Wherever you're headed to next. And it, you don't have to be like Braden where nobody in the office is happy for him. <laughs> we celebrate <laughs> your successes. We here. do. We celebrate everyone's success except <laughs> Braden's. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I used to have that on my wall in, in my office. We celebrate your triumphs and soften your defeats. <laughs> As something for a sports guy to put on his wall. I don't know. But anyway, again, 605-644-8000 if you've got any questions. In the meantime, Brian and Brad will be back here next week. Thank you for listening. And as Brian always says, stay safe and happy hunting. Bye.